0: Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Caroline Scott, and in this week's episode, I caught up with Yusuf and Sameya Omar, who are the founders of mobile journalism network hashtag our stories. The pair traveled to over 40 countries last year, training and empowering communities to tell their own stories using their smartphones. Now they're evolving the business and are in the process of developing toolkits so anyone around the world can produce high quality user-generated content. In the chat you're about to hear, they told me why they believe their news model can help the media offer more perspectives and truth to wider audiences.
1: We're the next billion mobile users and we won't be silenced. We're here to engage and inform. Empowering mobile storytellers to bring about reform.
2: We
0: don't need satellite
2: trucks and that's
0: a fact. Faster and cheaper than that.
1: Good storytelling has always been about more voices. And mobile cameras simply means more choices. With more angles, perspectives, and truth than before, there's a different way of telling stories. We
2: need to explore. Let's not ignore traditional media success, but surely we're better than this.
1: Our stories are being drowned and the conversation has ended. Truth and trust have been lost, but mobile storytelling can mend it. Finding narratives in the noise, we don't need to conform. Let's identify languages being lost in the storm. Mm. See a lack of media diversity is what's really affecting me. We talk about fake news, but don't listen to enough real views.
2: We know misrepresentation can lead to wars, so this is our cause.
1: Hashtag hashtag our stories.
0: Stories. What's yours? Guys, how's it been? You're in London. You've been here for the past week or so. Busy times.
1: Yeah, it's great to have a space to call our own for a little while at least. 2018 was insane. We did about 40 different countries in four months, training communities around the world. We then spent three months living in Los Angeles, Venice Beach. Um, And now we're in London for just a week before we head off on another bit of a tour uh, across the Middle East, uh, South Africa, Bangladesh, Sudan, uh, Mauritius, uh, I know, you should feel very sorry for us.
0: <laughs> it's such a huge undertaking what you guys have started, but it's growing, it's, I feel like it's grown so much in the past few years. For people who haven't heard of Hashtag Our Stories, if they've not been on social media for the last few years, can you give us an overview of what it is and how people have become involved with it?
1: So Hashtag Our Stories tells stories about people changing their world through multiple perspectives. We bring local stories of innovators, change makers, unsung heroes to global audiences these stories are built on the stories format, primarily vertical video, and they're built largely on curation, on listening to citizen journalists and empowering them all over the world to become, to create professional quality citizen journalism. And yeah, really that's how we were, we were, we were made. We're now uh, celebrating our first one year anniversary.
2: Yeah, so I, we started in October of 2017 where we kind of officially launched hashtag our stories. And then we went on this 40 country tour because it was really important for us to understand what it meant to empower citizens on the ground um, and what they required on their side to be able to tell stories besides just the technical aspects of how to use a phone and mobile journalism, but also around storytelling, around verification, um, and things like that. So that was kind of the first start of our journey was the Sporty Country Tour. Um, We then went back to South Africa and started a kind of a South African chapter of Hashtag Our Stories, and we received um, grant funding from the MDIF SAMUP group. Which is Um, the Media
1: Development Investment Fund based in New York. Um, It was amazing. They were amazing.
2: They they believed in us really early on um, and gave us a small grant fund to kind of kickstart our project and kickstart our business. Um, and then soon after that, in August of 2018, um, we got into the Snap Inc Yellow Accelerator program, which has been amazing.
1: Before that we produced over 200 vertical videos using entirely our mobile phones, which were published on Facebook. And that caught a lot of global attention. And then we applied to join Snap Inc's Yellow Accelerator and Yellow invested $150,000 in our company. And that's when things got really exciting that was when we could really start to fulfill some of our global ambitions
2: yeah i mean very early on we kind of we realized that we had initially done this whole empowerment exercise where we physically went into communities into really underrepresented communities um to empower people but we knew that i mean there was only so much time that yusuf and i had um, and so it wasn't really sustainable for us to go to go to all of these places ourselves, um, which is when kind of the next iteration of what um, this empowerment now looks like, which is everything through the camera.
1: Yeah, so basically, I've been a mobile journalist now for almost 10 years, and it was about how do we bottle a decade of mobile storytelling experience into tools that anyone anywhere around the world could use. And traveling to all these countries, we went to Korea and Australia and India, training hundreds of people around the world. We realized that it wasn't gonna work if we sent them like a PDF document or an email, or like here, shoot this and here's a script. Young people don't engage with technology that way anymore. But if we could bake all of that expertise, if we could take 10 years of mobile journalism experience and put it into a lens, put it into somebody's camera, which lives within existing apps like Snapchat right now, but the capabilities for Facebook or Instagram, it means anyone, anywhere in the world will have the framework, the structure to be able to create professional quality citizen journalism.
0: So talk us through the lenses then. So you've got lenses that tell people what shots to take, what to explain to camera. Talk us through how they would work if somebody was to pull up one of the lenses and start using them themselves.
1: The hashtag our Stories system starts with a story radar. And that's our ability to use social discovery techniques to work out what's happening around the world right now. Uh, That's a a compilation of technologies such as Snap mapping technology, to be able to look at the world and see where uh, things are heating up. Tools like CrowdTangle by Facebook, uh, to really understand what's hot, what people are talking about, In addition to our network of storytellers around the world, uh, we've now trained over 500 storytellers in over 40 countries to tell stories with their phones. So we get lots and lots of submissions, lots of ideas uh, coming in, and that produces our story radar. We also have a programming calendar that lets us know about major events, uh, big ticket items that are coming up around the world. For example, the Women's March is going to come up in a couple days' time, and we're going to be looking at how we can cover it from New Zealand and from the US and from a whole bunch of different countries as we spoke about multiple perspectives. So it starts with the story radar, and then we move into developing these lenses for initially individuals to be able to create a story, but the same lens that we develop applies to many, many people. And we can create these lenses incredibly quickly. We can customize into individual stories. So an environmental story can have its own lens, a, a story about um, women's issues will have its own lens. And there's two types of lenses here. We have the selfie lens, the uh, front-facing camera, and that provides the storyteller, the reporter, with the necessary questions that we need answered. The basic uh, sort of framework, so that they're not rambling, so that they're producing stuff that is actually of, of, of merit. Of course, the better video quality we get back is a bit like data. And if you get good quality data, we can have a good quality output in terms of video. We also have worldly lenses. Worldly lenses are the other side of the camera, and these enable us to help a storyteller capture the right shots effectively we only need about five or six different shots to create a story they can get a wide a medium a tight uh create a little sequence uh these are the basics but they make an incredibly big difference uh turning what would otherwise be shaky amateur ramblings into quite a professional quality journalism product
0: i was going to say if you guys noticed a big difference in before you started using the lenses to now having seen how tight people are at talking and how, how quick and easy it is to edit some of the videos.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think like the objective of what the lens does is that it allows anyone anywhere to be able to tell a story on the fly. We've definitely seen a better input coming into us in terms of, What we can curate in terms of what the structure of a story that that someone's telling so it's not just about the technical issues of like how to hold a phone or how to hold a camera and mic and things like that it's more around how do they structure a story how do they have a cohesive um story that will relate to someone anywhere else in the world uh yeah so we've definitely seen are really good results from it.
1: These lenses and this whole new workflow, and it's not just lenses, we also have a lot of video interaction with people around the world. We don't write people emails, we don't write long-winded messages. We reply to all of our content creators and all of the general public with videos, selfie videos telling people what's happening around the world. This is a consequence of a brand new form of journalism. And this is curated stories, not from one person's perspective, but often in a singular piece of video, we might have 10 or 15 different voices. Um, and looking at how we can discover more voices, empower more voices is massively exciting to us. I mean, a perfect example of this, today we're looking at the government shutdown that's uh, sweeping across the US. Hopefully by the time your audience listens to this, the shutdown's Mm -hmm. over, but judging by Trump's current rhetoric, it might not be over. Most of the coverage that we're seeing is being told by the president and the president's spokesperson and policymakers on the top. We've got access to Uh, transport security officers, the people that are patting you down in the airports, in the United States, who are not getting paid, who are in their uniform, at work, using their selfie camera and arms length away to share their story, to share their truth. Um, That's incredibly exciting to us. And and to do that at scale, to get lots and lots of voices around, lots and lots of stories, you've got to develop tools and systems to curate and accurately verify and fact check that these uh, people are who they say they are.
0: Do a lot of people actually want to get their story out a lot of the time or contribute to some of these bigger issues?
1: I think the willingness for people to share selfie style video testimonies about stories that are impacting their lives is somewhat cultural. Uh, Our time working in the US We found it remarkably easy Everybody wants to tell a story And wants to be on camera When we go to communities in Germany And uh, other parts of the Middle East Sometimes it can be far more difficult Often people's greatest fear Is that they have an important story to tell But they don't quite know how to articulate themselves They they, they want to tell the story They just don't know how So if you can approach this in a way That hey we're going to help together As a collaboration between professional journalists And your powerful story We're going to raise the bar of what your user-generated content can be. Um, I think that's how you get people interested because there's a sense of value that you're giving back to them. The big opportunity here, the big idea that that Hashtag Our Stories sees is that there are literally billions of people today producing videos, right? There is so much content, billions of smartphones. The vast majority of that UGC is being completely ignored. It's seen as low quality we're really only taking two things. We're taking the really funny stuff and we're taking the really messed up stuff, the The, the, the traumas. news. Yeah. yeah, so we get the viral videos on one side, like Chewbacca mum, and you get uh, suicide bombing. And those are the extent to which we see traditional media using user-generated content. They're just scraping the top of the, of the surface. Below that, there is an enormous iceberg full of tons and tons and tons of amazing people and amazing videos. If you can gain access to that, if you can raise the quality of where that user-generated content can be, you have access to the most intimate, incredible, real, raw stories, stories that you won't find anywhere else.
0: And in terms of workflows for newsrooms in the future, you know, if they start taking UGC much more seriously, yeah. they're going to have to change the way that they produce news bulletins. Yeah. Everything It's almost going to be like content overwhelm. There's going to be so many stories.
1: Yeah. I think the lines are being drawn. Certain news organisations are seeing this influx of user generated content as the greatest threat, a threat to their businesses, a threat to their monopoly on the ability to tell stories, a threat to democracy with the rise of false information and fake news. I think there's a perfect storm with 5G internet on the brink, with all of us having 4K or HD phones, uh, cameras in our pockets, that a new generation of media companies will emerge. A new generation of media companies that are perfectly primed to harness, to verify, and to raise the quality of of user-generated content. And when that happens, you will see the next generation vice. You will see the next generation global news networks that are ready, not just for the intake of this, but also for the output in terms of formats.
2: I think it's becoming harder and harder for traditional organizations to deny the value of what UGC is. Um, and I think they're all. Everyone's looking at ways of using UGC in in better ways, in more meaningful ways, in in making sense of all of the noise that we see on social media. No one has cracked it yet. Um, but I I I agree with Yusuf. I think that there's this perfect storm that's happening where there's millions of people, billions of people on mobile phones that are contributing every day to these platforms like Snapchat, like Instagram, like Facebook, and there will be media companies that will emerge, that will take this opportunity.
1: And I think it's about also preparing and building for the future. When you build social media strategy, it's not about how people used to create content yesterday, but how they will create tomorrow. And right now we've got phones, but I believe in the next five years, we're gonna see more and more people wearing cameras on their faces i'm wearing snapchat spectacles right now i've got a camera looking at you just through my eyes we're going to see more and more of this and news organizations need to be ready for that they need to be ready for an environment where you have an entire generation of people that are live streaming their entire lives all the time with the generation that brought you the toilet selfie and hashtag our stories is preparing for that by working with these technologies we were uh, as you know, we work with a lot of very sensitive subject matters, uh, working especially in India and the Middle East with human trafficking survivors. Young women that were promised jobs in countries far away, and when they arrive, they are forced into sex slavery. They're forced into prostitution. These women, of course, don't want to often appear on camera. They don't want to tell their stories with a big broom mic and lights in their face we've been able to give them wearable cameras, these spectacles, and put them on the young women's faces. And they've been able to tell the story through their eyes, through their perspective. We've inverted the storytelling so you become the camera. This is an entirely new way of looking at storytelling and media organizations who are preparing for this influx of user-generated content need to appreciate that it's gonna come in all sorts of ways and shapes and forms. Some of it will be from drones, some of it will be from phones, some of it will be from cameras on our faces. And at the intersection of all of that technology and media, journalism is only going to get better and better. With More angles, more perspectives. And that means more truth.
0: And I find it really interesting what you were saying earlier about more companies and news organisations will have to get used to tackling maybe disinformation and, you know, sources coming in that might not be reliable enough. And I guess with more UGC content coming in, that's going to be more and more important to ensure that you know they're not broadcasting anything that's not true
2: it's a big part of our process it's a very important part from the beginning stages of the empowerment where we're physically there training people the verification processes and education around fake news is 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 part of that training is an integral part of that training so that's kind of the first layer of I would say verification that we have where if we're physically in a space, we've met the people that we're training. We understand what their biases are. We understand who they are and, and where they're coming from. So that's the first um, point of verification. And then it's about using other tools and uh, uh, you know, what's out there to kind of do the verification and yeah, go back to, to just good journalism.
1: Yeah. I think it's twofold here. One, we're really spending a lot of time looking at media literacy. We do a series where we spot a piece of viral fake news and we say, hey, this story is fake, but here's how you can tell and here's how you can do your own reverse image searches and here's how you can do your own fact checking. We believe one of the ways to fight fake news is not just to pull it down, but to help people understand that it's fake because at the end of the day, if people stop sharing this stuff, fake news won't travel. So one of the ways we're doing that is through media literacy through some of our series that we're running. Um, The thing is, when people hear about user-generated content, mobile journalism, citizen storytellers, often journalists are like, oh my God, you're going to take away our jobs and blah, blah, blah. It's the complete opposite. Because we have so many curated stories and so many storytellers from all around the world, the decision-making has never been more difficult. We are now faced with more editorial decisions than you've ever had in history because we've got more sources coming in from a more diverse group of people. What that means is we need more editors. We need more journalists. (laughs) Journalists are not becoming less relevant. They're becoming far more relevant. We're hiring at the moment for positions uh, for our team in the US. We are actively looking for seasoned editors who can really help on a daily basis make those tough decisions now that we have so much information available to us.
0: I guess it's it's the role of journalists that might change Mm. in the future. You're not necessarily doing exactly the same job as people have been doing for the past 10 years, 20 years. I'm interested in the ethics because everyone's got the ability to tell their own story and to go out and livestream anything on the street. And you know, at journalism.co.uk we've written a lot about why journalists have made a decision not to shoot at a certain time. I'm just interested in in people's awareness of what might or might not be acceptable to be broadcast.
1: We regard all of these people as reporters. I think everyone can be a reporter, but not necessarily a journalist. The journalist is somebody who has been trained and comes with that set of ethics, principles, media, an understanding of media law. Um, And that's really why these citizens are are free to shoot whatever they like, uh, to be honest. It's their phones and their time. But what is published is going through quite a strict process, an editorial process, uh, to ensure it meets the highest standards at the end of the day, whether we're publishing to Snapchat, Instagram, it's exactly the same as if you are publishing on the front page of a newspaper or putting it on the 7 o'clock news at night. We hold ourselves to the same ethical and journalistic standard because at the end of the day, as a news organization, as a media organization, that trust is all you have.
2: Yeah, and I think if anything, it's become even more rigorous and even more of a responsibility because the people that are consuming the content that we make are so young. they are 13-year-old... Uh, really young people really impressionable so the responsibility is even greater to produce really ethical uh verified pieces of content
1: and at the same time tackle really sensitive and sometimes dicey subject matters we're talking about menstrual cups we're talking about uh hiv hiv the consumption of uh drugs and the legalization of certain drugs we're talking about women that choose to grow their underarm hairs out We're, we're talking about subjects that are often seen as taboo And I think that's the really exciting part. You've got a whole bunch of citizens all over the world sharing their stories. You've got really sensitive subject matters. You've got a really young and impressionable Mm. audience. And at that intersection, you're making these uh, editorial decisions every single
0: day. Yeah, People love behind the scenes Mm -hmm. footage, don't they? People. That's why the stories format is so fantastic, because people can see kind of behind the scenes and think that that is probably more exciting for me in terms of like, oh, I'm actually seeing what... Joe blogs down the road, thinks without a journalist in the street doing a vox pop on them of them feeling awkward. Yeah, I think
2: the content is far more emotional and far more intimate than what a traditional, um, like a head and shoulders interview would be like. Yeah,
1: I think our priority now at the moment, uh, as you know, we are a daily publisher. Simea sometimes describes us as being on like a hamster wheel. Uh, or
2: and getting
1: like face palms yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. You, you, you're just off your next success, and then you're struggling with the next story, and then success. And it's, it's this non stop beast of publishing every single day on
2: multiple platforms. On
1: multiple platforms. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly intense. What we're most excited about now and really focusing on is developing what we call a flywheel where your last audience help contribute to your next piece of content, where the audience yeah. are so in love with your brand and your product, and they really uh, their lifestyle resembles a hashtag, our Story storyteller, so much that they know what your editorial yeah. calendar looks like. They know what stories are coming up. They and know what your ethics are. Yeah. They know what your ethics are. They're, they're really part of the, your value system. So developing that flywheel, where the person that watches your content today becomes a content creator tomorrow, Uh, is our next really exciting challenge. Mm.
0: And I know a lot of listeners might necessarily have been journalists for the past 40 years, then might not necessarily be on Instagram or Snapchat Mm. themselves. What advice would you give them to maybe to dip their toe in the water of actually getting into this new era of vertical storytelling, of this fast paced behind the scenes?
2: I would say the first thing is to consume as much as you can. Like see what's out there, see what's out there on the different platforms. Follow people that are passionate about this, like Yusuf, for example. Um, Yeah, I would say consuming is the first thing. And then use this, like that's what the stories format is kind of meant for, is for experimentation, for it's, you know, people will forgive shaky footage, will forgive lots of things that might not necessarily have been forgiven on traditional uh, formats and platforms. And so just, you know, do like a daily vlog on your stories format and see, yeah, what that's like.
1: I think one of the biggest assets that some of the more seasoned uh, listeners have is that they've been journalists for a long time or storytellers for a long time. And the ability to tell a good story with suspense and engagement, that doesn't change, no matter which platform you apply it to. The format's slightly different, but the idea of getting a good angle doesn't change. I think where they can uh, perhaps find more success is becoming more discoverable. A lot of mojos and mobile journalists and just journalists as a whole, freelancers, are doing amazing stuff. But their, their work is often not seen by the widest possible audience. Mm. If they can listen in on what hashtags are trending on any given day, on what topics people are talking about by reading Reddit and looking at what's uh, surfacing. And they can create content on a daily basis which resonates with that subject matter with the right hashtags tagged in, checked into the right locations discoverable by organizations like us. That's how their, their, their work is going to be amplified. That's how their social media uh, handles are going to be discovered by a greater audience. So I think it's, yeah, as Samaya says, it's, it's partially about watching and listening to content and seeing mm. what's being produced. But it's also about being on the pulse of what people are talking about on a, any given day, aligning your hyperlocal story with whatever the global trend is, being discovered by new media organizations and letting those organizations amplify your work.
0: And it can be daunting as well for maybe traditional journalists who have been, you know, as you say, working for years and years to kind of let people into their editorial process yeah. or behind the scenes or even them personally as a journalist that they're used to audiences seeing the finished product, it's all polished and shiny, it's been subbed and everything. You know, to do a daily vlog or something... We know as audiences that we love seeing that, but it can be, I guess, you guys have been doing it for years now, but putting a camera in front of your face and Mm. showing people where you're going to do your story, what's going on behind the scenes, that can be a little
2: bit tricky at first, can't it? Between Yusuf and I, like Yusuf is the, it comes so naturally to him, but for me, not so much. And so it definitely did take some getting used to and, but yeah, I think, like, with everything, with every kind of technology that's out there, you just have to experiment. You just have to see what works for you. It might not be the behind-the-scenes thing. Um, I mean, our Snapchat channel, for example, is quite... Um, It still has a very high level of editorial to it, and it's, you know, it's... Um. It's polished in the storytelling kind of thing, so it's not necessarily a behind the scenes, but it's still uh, emotional and intimate, and so it doesn't have to be a behind the scenes of your life but yeah, I think a major part is looking beyond um beyond the gimmicks of these channels and of these platforms and um yeah, seeing what the the storytelling potential and capability can be
1: I think the other thing is nowadays more than ever before the want to be journalist or mobile journalist doesn't have to be on camera at all
2: yeah exactly one of the
1: most valuable skill sets that we're looking for today is the master curator because curation is the new creation uh andy uh, berges who's our uh, london-based creator we're sending him off to morocco this week where he's covering uh the formula e uh, which is like a formula one you know fast racing cars but they're all electric and he's looking at two specific angles. He's looking at women in this industry, drivers and engineers, uh, who are making amazing strides. And he's also looking at environment and the way that technology is developed in Formula E cars are eventually in consumer cars and are making the environment a better place. For both of those stories, we don't need Andy on camera at all. We need Andy to, on a very clever, in a very clever way, curate from all of the amazing women mm. that are at this race. By getting in touch with them, getting them to send in selfie videos. So I think the person with a skill set that is able to curate meaningful content from the millions and billions of phones around the world is equally, if not more valuable than the The on-camera talent. There's no shortage of of people that are willing to be uh, on-camera presenters. There is a critical shortage we've seen of people that are able to identify amazing trends around the world and find voices to tell their stories.
0: And hopefully journalists now will be developing those skills and able to create all of yeah, this information. Exactly. So what's next over the next few months? You guys are travelling. Are you allowed to tell us what you're up
2: to? I think this year, a big part of this year is building out hashtag our stories across different platforms, uh, like really growing and building our audiences, uh, maybe Expanding a little bit less travelling.
1: We're expanding to more regions. At the moment, we have a daily show, which is for primarily for a very young sort of 17 to 19 year old is the tiny bracket uh, in the US. But of course, it stretches down to 40 and up to 35. Uh, we'll be looking to launch more kinds of products like that. We'll be looking to launch shows in India and potentially Norway and other countries that are, are of interest to us across many different platforms. Um, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, we're looking to um, expand our team, our editorial team, also to get as many storytellers empowered and telling their own stories um, and getting their voices heard. And I,
1: I, it sounds weird me saying this because I've run around for the last few years and, and stood mm-hmm. on stages around the world and told everyone, don't worry about your website, don't worry about that, just everyone go all in on social and I still do believe social media is an incredibly powerful place to distribute And you're content. making a website. <laughs> are we, gonna tell me? <laughs> we are increasingly looking at owned and operated. Uh, we're interested in how can we develop a newsletter that people are interested in. How yeah. can we get uh, a website that has the resources and the kind of content that people are interested in. Um, I think there's nothing quite like having a house that you can call your own mm-hmm. uh, and, and bringing your guests into that house. Um, so I, I think owned and operated is something I would have never seen myself saying even a year ago. Uh, And today it's something we're we're really interested and excited about.
2: But always social first and...
1: Still always social first, always for, yeah, made for mobile um, yeah. and most more than more often they're not made on mobiles.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for talking to us for this Thanks week's for having podcast, us. guys. Mm-hmm. If you guys at home want to check out any of the hashtag our stories, they're on all the social media platforms if you haven't worked out that already. And for more podcasts from journalism.co.uk, visit our website. And just before you go, don't forget, you can head over to newsyourwired.com to nab your ticket today to our next Digital Journalism Conference, taking place on the 6th of March.